Andrew Rayner is the author of Better Boys, Better Men, the new masculinity that creates greater courage and emotional resiliency. What happens is that, what I've always said is that in a lot of male friendships, guys will have each other's back, you know, physically, if their physical safety is concerned. But when it comes to their emotional safety, we don't always have each other's backs. He has written about contemporary and healthy masculinity extensively for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and NBC Think. They were still caught up in this trap of feeling like it was a form of weakness if they couldn't handle their emotional lives on their own. He teaches at Towson University where he offers the seminar, The Changing Face of Masculinity. When it comes to getting a college degree and getting a job, girls are twice as likely to get a college degree and get that professional job than boys who have a college degree, young men. The problem isn't girls and young women. They're not the problem. They're the ones to who I think we should be looking to. The problem is how we're still we're still stuck in raising boys and young men with these old mindsets that aren't are no longer serving them. Rayner has been interviewed about topics related to this book on PBS, NewsHour, CNN, and Australia's Today Show. He has also written articles in The Guardian, Men's Health Magazine, The Washington Post, and Forbes. How do we navigate that one? I'm sighing heavily, right? You can't see me, but I'm sighing heavily. So that's a tough one, man. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. So Andrew... Your new book, Better Boys, Better Men. And I understand that when you were writing this book, you did a lot of research in terms of speaking to men and uh, people who work with men uh, in schools and colleges uh, during the writing of it. What were some of the discoveries that you found through that research and how did you apply that to the book? Sure. Um, you know, what, one of the things that happened for me was actually pretty early on. I was... I was in a boys' school, um, and uh, I was at a, you know, in the States, uh, a lot of the, the private schools um, are either co-ed or they're single sex, and I was in one of the single sex of boys' schools, and I was doing some research, and I was talking to some boys, um, kind of like small focus groups, and, and I was, uh, you know, asking them um, a little bit about their relationships with, with, with male friends and the extent to which um, they would get support. And, and initially when we'd have that conversation with the different groups, a lot of the boys would say the same thing. They would all say, yeah, I do have, I do get support from my male friends. You know, I do get the, you know, support I get, I said, what about emotional support? We do get emotional support. And so I kind of took it at face value and I, and I did this actually within a few interviews, but what happened was later on in the focus group, as we were talking, I said, okay, so, um, tell me what it looks like when you guys get emotional support for your friends. What does that look like? And what I found time after time after time was that support to them from other guys was advice and solutions to problems. That, as you know, is no small thing. It's really important to get that. However, that is what they always equated emotional support with, was always getting advice and solutions. So I said to them, okay, so what about when you want to talk about you know, emotional things. 
on average in the groups that I spoke with, you know, one or two boys would say, I do have a close male friend I can do that with. Most of them, however, went to either girlfriends or girls that they were friends with. And that's where they went to get their emotional support, the real, the emotional support, not just support in terms of direction, but emotional support. Some of them turned to their mothers. And, and by this age, especially the ones who are in 11th grade, about, you know, graduate, a year away from graduation, some of them were really kind of past the point that they felt like they should go to their mothers. And so they really were, were seeking out females who were their age to really kind of find ways to vent. That was something when I discovered that, and I really, really, and I realized that that was, that was really, they were not, they were really conflating the idea of emotional support with advice and solutions. What I ended up finding from there was that pretty much from about high school all the way through middle age and beyond, that's coming for a lot of men. For a lot of men, what they will do is they will turn to girlfriends if they're straight. If they're straight, they'll turn to girlfriends. They'll turn to wives. Um, they'll turn to sisters. And and one of the things I found when I realized this, um, and I found this from a course I teach called The Changing Face of Masculinity, when I asked a lot of the the students in my class to find out from their fathers who their fathers talked to, one of the additional things that they, that these fathers told their daughters was that they will talk to their daughters sometimes. So really what you're looking at is really a lot of men feel far more comfortable going to the women in their lives to really talk about the things that they need to vent about that have to do with their emotional honesty. And a lot of people would say, you know, in the aftermath with my when my book came out, I wrote about this, they'd say, well, you know, so what if that's a problem? Well, number one, as you can imagine, a lot of women, you know, there are a lot of women out there who don't want to play therapist and don't want to constantly be the only one that are being straddled with this. The other problem, and in some ways, Gavin, I think that this is even a bigger problem, is that it speaks to a deeper problem about the way that we are taught to socialize and create friendships amongst other males, which means that inherently, you know, what happens is that there's a lot of trust that's lost in male friendships. What I've always said is that in a lot of male friendships, guys will have each other's back, you know, physically, if their physical safety is concerned. But when it comes to their emotional safety, we don't always have each other's backs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if it comes to emotional safety, you're often told to fight it out or punch it out or drink it out. So something that's uh, seemingly masculine to to somewhat suppress this quote-unquote feminine emotion or feeling, which is how it's often perceived, isn't it? And it's, it's, That's a, right. It's a weakness to, to show emotion. It's a weakness to show vulnerability. Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of men, this was also interesting. Um, sometimes when I would take this a step further and I would talk to men who had seen therapists, who and their therapists, male therapists who had been encouraging them to learn how to process and cycle through their deeper feelings, right? Get get beneath the anger to what the the real feelings are, and they would try to take that into the outside. And sometimes when they would try, and these are younger men, they would try to apply that in their male friendships. It was too hot for a lot of their male friends. A lot of their male friends would change the subject, or just kind of like you know gloss over it. Or just say, well, you know, why, you know, why do we have to go there? I mean, is this, is this something, you know, 
really that we need to be talking about? If you really need to, sure. What a lot of these guys ended up feeling were forms of rejection when they would do that. And so clearly they're not going to go there. And so the excuse that a lot of guys have when it comes to uh, not approaching their male friends, they'll always say something along the lines of, well, I don't want to burden anybody with my problems. That's a big one for men. That is a huge one for ascending men and for men who have already arrived as men. I don't want to burden other people with my problems. That's a huge response. And what that really speaks to, what's really beneath that so often, Gavin, is part of it is, you know, a degree of empathy, yes. But what's really beneath the empathy, as much as that is a very honest feeling, is the feeling, the fear of rejection. Because, because here's the thing. These men aren't saying to the women in their lives, I don't want to burden them with my problems. They have no problem going there. But yet they'll say it about their male friends, which means they're afraid of the rejection. They're afraid of the response. Have you been able to get to the core of that issue? It's, you know, it's, 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 compl- it's really still the way that, that we're being socialized. It still is this idea that as men, if we're going to show competency, we handle everything on our own. That, 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 that permeates, man, that permeates all cultures. And that's extremely true. I really do think, I mean, that does permeate pretty much all cultures. And it's very prominent in Western cultures, right? And that's a really big part of it, is the idea that when it comes to our emotional lives, that's included. If we're going to show our competency as men, we learn to handle things on our own. There were young men that I spoke to at this school that I mentioned, this boys' school, who shared, um, and it got pretty dicey. I started doing one-on-one interviews, and, and some of them would share that they started having a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I'd say, well, um, you know, did you talk to your parents about this? And really until it got really bad, they wouldn't because they felt like failures. They felt like they weren't able to handle things on their own. And then, they, so not only did they feel like failures for that, but then they felt even more shame for having these feelings of weakness. It was like a, it was like a double whammy. And so... You know, it's one of the things that I found when I spoke to different kinds of young men and men who had all different forms of kind of masculine identity across the spectrum. You know, even the ones who were more kind of quote unquote enlightened and didn't buy into a lot of the old school masculinity, even they were still caught up in this trap of feeling like it was a form of weakness if they couldn't handle their emotional lives on their own. And, and that is something that I found that even in a lot of gay, you know, younger gay men that I interviewed, you know, there were some younger gay men I interviewed and they spoke to the same thing. I should be able to navigate this myself. I need to really handle this myself. And um, that speaks to a lot of it. This, uh, this, this idea of feeling that you're failing, you know, that, that there are a few things as a man that you do need to prove. And one of them is you need to, you need to handle a lot of problems and issues and struggles on your own. It's okay to get a little bit of advice and it's okay to get some solutions. But when it comes to the deeper emotions that we really do need to put on the table to process through, a lot of men don't feel that it's safe or it's right to do that. Yeah, it's interesting what you say there about the individual or individuals who are having suicidal thoughts and the only time they would speak to their parents about it was when it got really, really bad. And I think that's something else that's 
across the board, men will only make a change or speak up when they're buried in a pit and That's right. they've, they've lost everything or, you know, just, things are just so, so bad that they, that's the only option they have left. What can we do to, to, uh, help them speak up sooner rather than later? Uh, how do we begin to break this pattern or avoid them becoming even more buried in a pit that they're, that, that they're digging themselves ultimately? by not speaking out. Yeah. I mean, that really, that really is the crux of it, isn't it? You know, how, do, how do we really kind of move through this and, and beyond it? Um, and I do, I do want to say, yeah, before I get to, to try to address that, I do want to say, Gavin, one thing that, you know, this is something that isn't just young men, you know, there are older men who do this too, because there was a great UK study, which came out from, I think they're called the Good Samaritans. And they found that, that men who were, you know, you know, their 30s and 40s and were in relationships and they were fathers that even they, when they were struggling with depression, would not talk about or get help for it until it got to the point where it was so incapacitating that they, that they were just, they were paralyzed in their jobs and their relationships. And so this really is a bigger problem that I think a lot of us really want to look at. And it's, you know, one of the things that we really need to start to do, and, and I've really been advocating for this a lot, um, in, in the, even since my book came out, I've been writing a lot of pieces and op-eds about the need for fathers to really, if, there, you know, if, if there's one thing that they really need to step up on, it's the idea, because this will have a lot of good ripple effects, but it's the idea that we need to teach boys that not only that it's okay, but they should ask for help when it comes to their emotional lives and the things that they're struggling with. That's something that that fathers especially need to lead the way with, but actually even, even mothers can contribute to that because one of the things I found in my research, and I continue to find in my research, is that a lot of mothers send boys and sons the messages that, that Form traditional forms of masculinity should be should you know they really kind of encourage that in them as well. There's a lot of research out there that shows a lot of mothers speak differently to their daughters than they do their sons if they have if they have sons and daughters. That they that the fathers are more a little bit more rigid in the way that they will be emotional with daughters, but not that way with sons. But yeah, a lot of moms, even though they may be more demonstrative with sons than fathers. A lot of moms still use language, which encourages old school masculinity and this notion of how boys um, really should keep it together. And that's about comfort level. That's really not what's best for the boys. Ultimately, it's really what's comfortable for the parents. And so this really is something that we need to get, especially dads, but moms on board with too. The idea that if we want to really have healthy sons that are that are healthy and that are enjoying all parts of well-being of their lives and they're becoming and they want to meet with the best success they can have then healthy emotional lives are an important part of that equation and so it absolutely positively needs to change in the ways that we talk and don't talk to our sons you know it's um if you look on social media and i've written about this there are so many memes on social media which show fathers um, you know, doing sports with their daughters, fathers showing 
complete unbridled um, emotion with their daughters and affection. They're, 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 it really reflects the ways that um, it's definitely this way in the States that a lot of young fathers are doing a much better job of showing up emotionally for their daughters. And they're embracing their daughters no matter all aspects of who they want to be, they're encouraging that. And that includes sports and coaching, coaching their teams. But if you look at the memes, they're not doing that with sons. You see fathers, you know, kicking, you know, you know, kicking a soccer ball with with their sons. You see fathers fist bumping or shooting shooting hoops with their sons. But you don't see fathers. You rarely will see fathers in these memes hugging their sons. You rarely see that message that I will validate all parts of your being. And that's one thing that a lot of boys and young men are not getting. Not, you know, we're doing a much better job, thank God, of doing that with girls and young women. But we need to do the same thing with boys and young men. We need to validate all parts of their being because that is essential. And to be honest with you, Gavin, another response to the question you asked, I mean, honestly, I, you know, there, there was a school um, in the States, uh, in, in Chicago, and it was the, it's the, west, uh, the, the south side of Chicago, which, which honestly is, is, a pretty, is a pretty tough area. And, um, and I went to visit a school there that was doing a program where once a week, boys would, boys would get uh, some credits. They'd get high school credits and they'd meet with a mentor. And they would sit in this high school, high school classroom once a week. And they would learn in front of other boys how to really unpack their emotional lives and how to support each other doing that. And this was new for all of them. I mean, hell, this, would be, this is new for most of us. But I really do think schools can and should be a place where uh, at least once a week, boys should be relearning how to be in the presence of other boys and how to be giving each other that emotional support. Yeah, there's a, <clears throat> there's a few things to unpack there for sure. I mean, the, first of all, you, you mentioned about the, uh, what would suit the parents' comfort when it comes to comforting their, their son and, and their daughter, but um, mostly their sons. We're, we're talking about boys and men today, so... And there is a, a fear factor there for a lot of fathers that if they were to uh, emotionally support their son a lot more, then it would weaken the son more than strengthen the son. And Make him too soft. Yeah, that this is uh, some sort of um, conditioning that we've all had in our lives, as you as you mentioned as well, that you've had to, you know, if you fall over and you graze your knee, come on, get back up and and go again, although you may be in floods of tears and, and pain, and you rarely see the father comforting the son, and as you mentioned, giving him a hug and uh, making sure that he's he's okay in that situation. It's like, come on, get up and get up and go, which I was taught to do, and um, luckily I've been able to break that pattern with my own son. But I I know that this is still a very common place for for fathers today, and I, I, I think it's that that fear factor of making them soft or that if they were to um, express more emotion or give them more space to to uh, to express their, their vulnerability, that that could turn them gay. And this is another massive fear for, for many fathers. And I know that that's, that's a fact. So yeah, it, it's back to the father. And is there, in your own opinion, is there and lying there in terms of too much emotional support versus enough emotional support? I mean, I, 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 yes and no. Um, 
yes, in the in the sense that, um, you know, we don't want to uh, when we have, um, you know, especially boys as as they're you know young boys as they're becoming older, say, you know, eleven or twelve. Yeah, I mean, of course, we want to teach them some independence, absolutely, um, and we want to teach them to to get up. No is the second part of my response because, you know, I think that, let me give you an example with girls. I don't know what it's like in Ireland, but I can tell you in girls, I mean, in, in girls, in the States, girls are laughing boys on every metric of success. Yeah. You know, and, and the only thing, the most, mostly what you can gauge that with, you know, when it comes to children is their job is school. Every metric, and this is true in a lot of Western countries, so I'd imagine there's some truth to this in Ireland too. But in every metric in the States, girls are lap being boys on education. I mean, I can sit here, I'll happily break it down if you need the details, but on every metric of education, from basically about the middle of elementary school when they're about third or fourth grade, all the way up through graduate school, if they go on to graduate school, on every metric of success for education, girls are lapping boys. So you look, and, and then in the States, another thing that's happening is that even when it comes to getting a college degree and getting a job, girls are twice as likely to to get a college degree and get that professional job than boys who have a college degree, young men. That is a continuation of where this problem, I believe, is headed. And so, really, the problem isn't girls or young women. They're not the problem. They're the ones to who I think we should be looking to. The problem is how we're still you know, we're still stuck in, in raising boys and young men with these old mindsets that aren't are no longer serving them. They're serving girls and young women because, you know, think of it as kind of like, you know, going into like a store and trying on clothes. We say to girls, try anything off the rack and it all works for you. We say to boys, here's the color scheme. Here's the style of clothes. You should be, go to this, go to this, this part of the rack. You can't go to the rest of the rack. We're still doing that with boys. And so if, if, that mind, if that mindset about softness worked, because you think about, okay, well then if we, you know, we raise girls soft, we give them more emotional support, we give them more emotional language. Okay, look at that and think of that as being soft. And yet look at the, look at the degrees of success that girls are having in education and increasingly beyond. Because you look at in, in the States, Women are now women at higher levels are there's they're, they've broken the ceiling in terms of there's more women in, in middle management, there's more women in law schools and medical schools. I mean, I could just keep going on. So the point being is that we're giving girls and women the kind of support that we're talking about that makes them soft, and yet they're they're surpassing boys and young men. So if we look at that, what makes us think that giving boys and young men the ability to have the, 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 same, the same permission to engage all their emotions. Clearly, there's a resiliency girls and women have that boys are lacking. I really think that this really is a key to really making boys and young men feeling more integrated, feeling more supported. And I think, I would, I think it would give them a much greater degree of emotional resiliency. In fact, and would actually help them to get further ahead. Um, you know, I just put something on Instagram the, the other day. I just, you know, one of the one of the slides I put up said, soft is the new strong for boys. 
And, the, and again, people hear that and they, they go to the extreme. When people are afraid of something, they think, they think of something like vulnerability and they think you're talking in the extreme. You're saying that all we should do is just baby and pander our boys. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if you look at the way that we raise girls, they are much, much better adjusted and they are, they are having a much better time of success. I really do believe that we should be looking at the playbook we use for girls and use some of that with boys because I think boys would feel far more supported. I think they would develop far deeper levels of resiliency that they're lacking right now. Do you think it's, do you think the other factor is that the schooling system is not set up appropriately for boys and it's more suitable towards the, the girls or their nature and that boys to sit there in a classroom for hours a day, um, writing, reading, that it's not in our inherent DNA to do that. We're explorers. We like to get out, take action break things, create things with our hands and that we're having to suppress that through, through schooling and that this, uh, this in itself can create some sort of internal rage over time and some sort of disconnect as well. Just thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not so sure. I don't know about that one, Gavin. I mean, I think that, um, I think it's true that boys are, um, you know, as I, I do think it's true that I think boys and young men do need have a lot more kinetic energy. I do agree with that, that they need to expend, that they need to expel. I do agree with that. Um, but if you look back at statistics in terms of when girls and young women started really kind of surpassing, started to really catch up and surpass boys and young men in education, that really begins as far back as the 70s. And so, you know, I, I really, you know, if you look at a lot of statistics, they'll show that boys and young men as a whole really did better in school than they're doing now. They, they, you know, what, you know, one of the hallmarks of, of education in general is just literacy. And if you look back at literacy levels going back decades, they were more on par between the two gender identities. You know, I mean, now the gap begins basically in early elementary school and it, it doesn't change all through college. You know, there's a massive gap in literacy, which is core for education, educational success. Um, I do think boys, yes, are more kinesthetic. I think they need to move around a little bit more, but I think that we're selling boys short when we say that they can't keep up because from an evolutionary perspective, you know, that boys and girls are different. One of the things I talk about in my book is that the wiring in, in you know, the wiring in the brain, in the, in the human brain is, is really not that different. There've been, I, we could, you know, talk about this just, you know, for an hour. There's just been all these studies done which show that the human brain is really a mosaic of, of, of constructions that are really, if you want to call them male and female, that are really kind of a, a confluence of both. Very few people, studies have shown, brain imaging scans have shown, have a traditional, like what you think of as a male brain versus a female brain. The human brain is a mosaic. It's true that the right hemisphere of the male brain, because of testosterone, gets delayed in utero and then again in adolescence. And that does affect things like the ability for males to have more self-control, which is huge, right? It affects their ability, which is another thing that's huge, is their ability to kind of look beyond the moment at the horizon. And of course, that, if that girls have, a, have, a, have the lead on that until boys are in their mid to late 20s, which is really important. 
Um, and that said, I really do think that um, a big part of the problem now, which I don't think it was as much a part of the problem in the past, is that as the boundaries of countries are shrinking and we're becoming more global in competition, one of the things that's happening is that a lot of countries are increasingly uh, adding in standardized testing in terms of that being part of their everyday curricula. That, I think, has been a pro more of a problem for boys and young men because what's happening is that they are having to sit still for longer periods of time. Things that, you know, playtime has been cut back, which has been, I think, a bigger blow for boys than girls. Um, physical education, which in the States we call gym, those classes have been cut back in a lot of schools, which I think has been a blow for boys. And, and so, yeah, I do think that standardized testing has made it harder for boys than it has for girls. Um, but I also do think that boys can sit in a classroom and they can be engaged if they are given the opportunity by teachers to expel some of their, some, you know, some of their, their, their antsiness. And I think that there, there are ways that, that we can also, um, I do think that there are ways we can keep boys engaged. The reality is that we can't change, unfortunately, the curriculum. You know, as much as I would love to change it as an educator myself, we can't. But there are ways around this that we can keep boys engaged. And because the reality is that unless unless all boys are going to a single sex school, it's it's going to be you know it's going to be difficult you know to to um to just focus on boys and just only tailor it to them because we we've got to meet everybody's needs. Um. So uh, and frankly, to be honest with you, I think in a lot of in a lot of boys' schools, I think there's a lot of old mindsets that perpetuate boys as as being boys will be boys. And this this is something, you know, boys don't do well. Boys aren't great in English. Boys aren't great writers. They're not going to read a lot. The more that educators have that mentality, the more the prophecy, the more the prophecy will be fulfilled. And I really do think that we need to um, find better ways to engage boys. But I also think that a lot of male teachers especially really do need to change the way that they that they expect boys to be boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we can't we can't change the system, but we could potentially take them out of the system and homeschool our sons. And I know you've got you've got sons of your own. Is that something you've considered for your own boys? Yeah, or? I mean, to be honest with you, I have. I haven't. You know, it's not it's not something that my wife and I are going to do um, anytime in the near future. But I I've thought about it because. Um, I think that uh, I do think that homeschooling is is a pretty good option, if you know if it's done about in a really thoughtful, intentional way, and and you're still you still have high standards for your son, and you're not letting him off the hook just because something is a little bit difficult, something something that we stereotypically, like I said, think of well, you don't have to be good at writing or reading because that's really for girls. That's bullshit. You know, I mean, I mean, th those those are the kind of things that we really we, we really do need to let go of those old kinds of stereotypes. We really need to um, we need to challenge boys. You know, boys will rise to the occasion, especially when you get them out of that environment where they're feeling the peer pressure to be like you know, to be like a lot of the other guys. When we when we get boys out of that element, they really can rise to the occasion. And that really is what that's another thing that that um, we probably should briefly talk about is that a lot of traditional masculinity and boy and and boys who are 
raised in, in households where traditional masculinity is the norm, they're going to go into school and feel like education is a disconfirmation of their identity as, as a male. Because so much about the way that education is being done today with um, having to be in their seats longer, having to, having to, you know, having to do a lot more writing in all of their classes than, than boys used to have to do. Another thing is that boys are being taught that they've got to be better collaborators. They've got to work in groups and get along with each other. Then there, you know, of course, the communication skills. Another thing that boys are being taught that they never were encouraged to do is to be more empathetic, right? These are all part of the, the new toolkit that is required in classrooms and in workplaces. And so the more that boys are being taught, you don't really need these skills. They're for girls. What we're really doing is setting them up for failure in the classroom and beyond because they need this skill set. And so my point being is that if we are going to homeschool, we still need to look at the new toolkit that boys need to survive and thrive. And we still need to incorporate that even if we homeschool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. And as we move forward as well into um, the digital age, which is another massive factor um, for boys, especially, I think, because take a video game and such as one of these Call of Duty, let's say, and you know, you can you can play Call of Duty. You can go onto that um, that game, and you can almost go out into a virtual world and achieve challenges and accomplish great achievements, which takes off this box in your own mind that you've actually done it, and that uh, somewhat squanders the opportunity of getting after it in reality. So you get trapped in this dynamic of. Um, winning in fantasy and losing in reality and I think that's going to become more of a of a factor and an issue for as I said especially for boys as as all of that begins to evolve to brand new levels virtual reality and whatever else is to come yeah how do we navigate that one I'm sighing heavily right now you can't you, most of you can't you can't see me but I'm sighing heavily so that's a tough one man because because you're right I mean you know research is there, there was a great study I saw which, which showed that, that, that they were trying to make the correlation between as, as the technology for gaming gets more advanced and more, more realistic. And you're right, of course it is, and it's going to keep going in that direction. They were trying to make the correlation that, it, it, that it's affecting the, the ability of, of boys in school and even beyond school in jobs it's, it's affecting their ability to want to be present in the work that they need to do off screen. And the argument was trying to, was being made that the better the technology gets in gaming, the more it is really causing a drag on the productivity of boys and young men. And I do think that that's that, you know, you know, there's kind of this, this, oh, that's such an uncool kind of thing to say, you know, it's, it's what old people say about guys in gaming. I think there's, I think there is truth to that. I think that one of the things you hear a lot of boys and young men say is, "This is boring. This is stupid." When they're in school, because what, the, what, what, the, what really a lot of them are really feeling is that school is lacking meaning for them. And and again, it's important to kind of juxtapose that against girls because a lot of girls get bored too, which a lot of people don't realize. Girls get really bored too, and a lot of young women. And they say, yeah, yeah, this is boring. But what, they, but what they're not feeling is this isn't pointless because they see the horizon. 
they see that it's going to get them into a job that they want out of college or into a graduate school that they want to get to. They have their eyes on the prize. The problem with boys is they're only thinking in the moment and they're having a hard time getting beyond that entertainment mindset of, I want things to be fun. That's what's going to matter to me is our things, reader, it's going to be fun and worthwhile or I'm going to make a lot of money. Those are the two biggest mindsets for a lot of boys and young men that we really need to kind of, we really need to find ways to kind of get beyond that, that mindset. Because if boys and young men aren't feeling stimulated, if their dopamine levels aren't raising, aren't rising, you know, and they don't feel like this is fun, then a lot of times they're not putting in the work and girls are doing that. They're pushing beyond and seeing the bigger picture. It is a problem. We really do need to find ways to get boys to feel that. And, and, you know, part of it, I don't know, you know, part of it might be as simple as you know doing a better job of regulating screen time. But we really do need to find ways to get boys engaged and and to feel that there is meaning in the work they're doing. And and because because I think I think when boys feel that there is meaning and purpose in something, they are much less willing to say, I'm bored, this is stupid. And that's what it is a lot of times. They're not finding meaning in it. Um and I think that um, you know, you talked about gaming. I think another problem is YouTube for boys, much more than it is for girls. Girls spend a lot more time. Boys are on social media, but girls live and die in social media. And one of the things that boys are doing in young men is going to YouTube and looking at influencers. And they're finding all these different kinds of influencers that are kind of sucking them in. And rarely is the message about the importance of hard work, of being a tryhard, of letting them see you sweat because that that's how you get better at things and really committing to things and being passionate about things. You know, one of one of the tropes that boys are taught on social media is that, you know, you either have the natural talent or you don't. And if you got the natural talent, you kind of coast on it and you'll you'll do fine, but you shouldn't work too hard at it. My son came home the other day, he's eleven, and he talked about how, you know, some of his close friends in school were talking about how they were criticizing a guy that they they do gaming with because he was a tryhard. You know, it was the idea that even in something like gaming, which they're committed to, right? Forget even school, which which to me is the bigger picture. Even in gaming, they're saying you should never you should never care that much about winning. You should never be working that hard. This is something that they care about, and even then, they're t- they're telling each other that message. You should never let it seem that anything you you're too invested in anything. That's a terrifying message to teach kids, boys especially. They need to be committed. They need to care. They need to be invested. And and so, yeah, I do think that gaming is part of it. And I also think that, you know, as more and more boys have these influencers on places like, you know, YouTube, or you look at the, the superhero franchise movies they watch, these are forms of masculinity that really, they're, they're not teaching boys to to really to work hard, to be accountable. They're not teaching boys to, you know, to really, you know, that, that it's okay to not always have, you know, a badass thing to say back to somebody. You don't always have to be right. You don't always have to be in control. These are all the wrong messages that they're teaching boys and young men. And I think a lot of it is being perpetuated in what they're consuming when it comes to entertainment. Yeah. And if you're not taking those boxes, you feel an incredible amount of shame. And yeah. And who you are and, and, and what you do. And Right, you avoid those situations then as as you move forward, and again, that's what the that's what virtual reality 
is creating a lot of social anxiety as well because you can switch that thing on and off and you know gaming is one factor but then there's pornography as well which is another huge factor as and sure you mentioned for a lot of these men they avoid rejection and i know you were speaking about it at that time in terms of re- rejection from their male friends but there's also the painful rejections from from women in their lives and sure. having, to, having to go through that difficulty and hardship and effort and sometimes a lot of sweat to go and ask a girl out or to um, compliment her or to show some level of interest only to be potentially shut down by her and why risk that when you can click a few buttons on your mobile phone and you know get a similar sort of a thrill so there's this that's right it's, it's a it's a i think it's a seem it's a rise of dopamine addiction but it's like a dopamine spike and then some massive crash and then once you crash you're going back at it it's it's, it's a drug in itself these it is the it porn is. and the gaming and absolutely and i do want to just just tag on to something you said there gavin you know that there was a really a study I came across recently when I was doing some research for an article, and it talked about how, contrary to what a lot of us believe, that a lot of young women don't have as much social anxiety around rejection when it comes to romantic their romantic lives as the young men do. A lot of us would think, oh yeah, sure, you know, girls and young women are gonna are gonna be much more anxious about being rejected if they're straight by a guy. No, it's true that girls get very worked up in the context of their relationships. A lot of them do. But the young men, and they hide it, of course, suffer much more from the fear of so, of rejection if they're straight from a girl or young woman than, the, than their female counterparts do. And that speaks volumes. That really does. There is a huge amount of fear of rejection that a lot of boys and young men just won't even embrace. And as a result, like you said, you know, they'll look for things where they can meet with more kind of validation. The problem with that is you're not building up your emotional resiliency. Mm-hmm. And you need that. You, you absolutely positively need that. You know, one of the things I always talk to my son about is the importance of healthy risk taking. I always talk with him, you know, if I ever get a window, I don't try to force it, but I always try to find ways to have conversations about how you can, you can practice healthy risk taking. And one of those things is that there's going to be rejection. And and that's the fact of living. If, you, if you're going to live a life and really go for what you want, you're going to face rejection. It hurts, but you get back up and you brush yourself up. Yeah. And it's in those moments where you need your, you need a close friend or a mentor or a father to help you through that that's potentially right. emotional turmoil of being turned out by a girl. And yeah. I've just that's been right. reflecting back on some of my own rejections and my younger years and the reactions my friend was be ah oh, come on it's you know there's plenty more fish in the sea get on with it right. and right. you know it's just as you mentioned at the beginning there you know solution and fix the problem and let's 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 go again but you know the pain is still there and the emotion is still untapped or suppressed in some way and that's right that's right it is it is and the problem is that when you know when you're with a with a buddy and that's the kind of response you get that does that does nothing to really make you feel better in the place where it hurts the most. You know, they're trying to help when they mean well, but what we really need in that moment, you know, is that softer, is that appeal to, you know, to our to to the softer emotion, to the the feeling of rejection 
and, and maybe even some shame and some hurt. What we need there is that moment of just really kind of emotional honesty to really kind of meet us there and give us what we need. And that's what I mean about, you know, you can have, you can have that quote unquote soft support, but that does, you know, but, but, but that's not going to weaken you. It's going to just strengthen you ultimately. But that doesn't mean that just because you get soft support, that it means that you're going to stay in that place. It means that in that moment, you're getting the kind of support you need. And then you pick yourself up and you move on feeling better and stronger than you did before. And this is what girls do so well because they get both. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get out. So that's, um, yeah, that's, that's been a brilliant uh, conversation. I really enjoyed that. And Andrew, we could go on and on here. So probably have to get you yeah, back, yeah. And back, yeah. in, back for part two at some point. All right. uh, but in the meantime, uh, let us know where we can find you, uh, grab your book, of course, and uh, any other resources you have there and let us know. Absolutely. Um, so for my, for my book, um, you should be able to find it on Amazon. Um, and I know that the, the numbers were a little bit low on Amazon, which, which I hope is a good sign that the book is moving. Um, I, and I know that my publisher and HarperCollins told me that you can find it on the website on HarperCollins, if not Amazon. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, Andrew T. Reiner, but, um, I, to be honest with you, because, because I just find things a little bit more productive on Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot more than I have Twitter. Um, Andrew Reiner, author. Excellent, man. No way. And, uh, you can always email me at my school, areiner at Towson dot, at Towson dot edu. Sweet. And when are you coming to Ireland for, uh, for a speaking event? I'm ready, man. <laughs> I, I <laughs> love Ireland. I love Ireland. I was there once before. Never got to get over to Dublin. There's so much more I want to do over there. Yeah. I'm ready for the invitation. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Well, stand by. I'm I'm going to be hosting some seminars in 2023, so it would be great to get you over as a as a guest speaker. Uh, I'd like to get a lot of value to to share. Um, but in the meantime, thank you for all you shared in this podcast. Really appreciate it. And until next time, thank you, Gesher. Thank you, thank you for the work you're doing. Yeah, likewise, man. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.